He just looked at us and said, can't you just sell what we make? <laughs> and we just looked at him and said, can't you, you just, just make, make what we want to sell? So why would two guys leave comfortable jobs, move across the country and start a business in an industry they don't know, a place they don't know, and could it be successful? We're Dale and Brian Carmi. Join us as we share our story and inspire you to become people of impact. Welcome to the Impact Without Limits podcast. Do you listen or only think about what you'll say next when someone else is still talking? I'm sorry. Was there a question there? I was thinking about this, what I want to say to start this podcast. <laughs> hey, I'm Brian. Well played. I'm Brian Carmi here with Dale, and we are excited to go through another episode. And this time we're talking about canine grass, which is a huge product line for us. It's a product designed specifically for dogs, but this is kind of the the story of how it was created. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we we talked last episode some when we were talking about the people's family uh, and the episode before that, when we were talking about our conference about uh, meeting with Brian Peoples out in Arizona, as we had this idea for a product, we knew what we wanted. We had, uh, and maybe Brian, this is an example of, of us listening. Um, we heard the customers talking. That's right. We knew what they wanted, right? We're sitting here. We, we, we want to build our business. We want it to grow. We want to do things, but um, we slowed down a lot enough to listen to the customers saying we need a product that works with dogs. We had been installing turf at this point for a little over two years, two and a half years. We'd done a lot of installs for dogs. Woof. <laughs> and that's not a dog barking. We went back on some of those projects and wow, that turf was capturing and holding a lot of the waste, a lot, a very strong ammonia smell. And odor, yes. Very difficult. So we're thinking, okay, that's probably not great, but it's even worse when we looked at it and found out, you know, probably one out of every two of the leads we got was somebody that had a dog, wanted a dog, wanted to know how it would work with a dog, what have you. So we moved forward coming up with this idea for a product and we knew what we wanted it to be. We talked about this. Want it to be short, dense, cleanable, drainable, durable. We had no idea how to make it. Then we meet the people's family. We, we get talking with them. They have some ideas. We have that conversation out in Arizona about giving product reality or product life to this concept we had been carrying for the last probably four or five months. And so now we had to begin to implement. And we did this by making several trips down to Dalton. And we would run a product and they would, they would produce something and we'd look at it. Well, we like this or not like this, but pretty early on in that process, we found a sample and and this is the way we are. When we're down at the plant, we're down meeting with people. There's what you want to do. And then there's the other stuff laying around the periphery. So anytime we are in a room or there's a conference room or walking through the warehouse or getting in some meeting room, there's stuff that just ends up laying around, old tests, old samples, things that were done before. And we're rummaging through some of the stuff and we find a sample of this of, of a product and we looked at it and we were like, this is it. Yep. Right? You remember <clears throat> that? Oh yeah. 
And we're like, guys, what is this? And everybody's like, I, I don't know. And, and it just, it's an old piece of grass. And we're going, this is it. It was a knitted product. It had the drainability we wanted. It was short. It was dense. Didn't need infill. Pretty much everything we were hoping for was there, except for potentially, mm-hmm. I don't think that one had the, the safety, the antimicrobial part built in. But we're like, guys, this is what we want. What is it? So it took a little bit of time, a little bit of research for them to track back and find out. It was a product that was produced for a customer for a sports field that never got installed, never got sold or installed. I forget what happened or what changed. I don't remember if it was streaky or they didn't like it or something happened. So they'd run this product, but it was a one-off and nobody was exactly sure the yarn that was used they didn't have good records because this was made back, I think, in the AstroTurf days. Yep, before the transition of ownership. Before the people's family had bought it. So they knew a little bit about it, but they didn't know a lot. And so then that became like our answer. It's like, this is what we want to produce. That became the ghost we chased for quite a while. Yes, we and did. there's a there's a saying in in well, at least in Dalton in the manufacturing world, maybe in manufacturing in general, that we can make anything once. The question is can if you can it make it again and replicate it. And so that's what we had. We had this product that we were trying to replicate. And like Dale said, we'd go down and we'd work with, you know, we had to make the yarns with an extrusion process. And then there's the knitting process, the way you put it together. And then there's the different components. And I remember as we were going through this, it was probably the, and and to do this, I mean, it's, it's a big process. It takes a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot to get through from a design phase to a finished product stage with a roll of turf. And I remember one time going through this and one of the guys there just stopped and said, you know, we had, it was like the third or fourth or fifth iteration. We were like, nope, that's not quite right. Yeah, they, they'd run a product and we looked at it and we're like, right, no, nope. not right. And he just looked at us and said, can't you just sell what we make? <laughs> and we just looked at him and said, can't you, you just, just make, make what we want to sell? But that right there was really a that, that, I mean, it's kind of funny in that story. I mean, that stuck. That moment that stuck. That really stuck. And we did push through to make more of what we wanted to sell. But that is the difference between, and we, I think we talked about this in previous episode, but a manufacturing mindset of, hey, here's what I make. Now let's find a market and find somebody to go sell it versus us being a market-driven company that says, here's what we want. Here's what the customer wants, the needs, the, the desires of the customer, and how we can fill that. Now let's design and build a product to fill that completely different mindset everyone else in the turf world was and even still is a little bit this marketing driven here's what we make now find a way to go sell it yeah and we definitely knew what we wanted we knew what the customers wanted we knew how to get there and it was a process of chasing it down you also have to remember uh to str's credit to the people's family credit again in terms of business relationship we had brought next to nothing to this relationship. We weren't high volume. We weren't doing incredible things. And they invested a lot of time and a lot of effort to run these trials, to do these things, to help us get there. So that, that question that was brought up, and it wasn't, Brian or Tom, anybody said it, but that question that was brought up wasn't an invalid question. But it is, what do I want to say, a, a real um, point that demonstrates the different Mm-hmm. views of how you do it. And we knew what we wanted and we wanted to find it and make it. And they knew what they made and they wanted to find somebody to sell it. So we talked in the beginning, are you, you know, just thinking about what you want to say, thinking about what you want to do, or are you listening? And I think 
you know, two things. One, we were needed to be, in this case, listening to the market to say, hey, what does the market want? And then our manufacturing partners needed to be listening, not just saying, hey, here's what we can do, but how can we listen? And then the third side of that was we started to get into the install side, right? And this is a new product. We had never worked with this before. We didn't know necessarily how it went down, how you did these seams. This was a different backing and it was new. And so we needed to to listen to the product a little bit and figure out how we needed to work listen with this. Listen to the product. That yeah. was yeah. Well, and we did. That we product did. was screaming at us <laughs> whether sometimes. we wanted to or not. So I mean the the first installs were really it was trial and error, right? How are we going to seam it? So this was an all glued seam, right? That was new to us. That wasn't the way we had done our seams. This was a knitted product, which created, it didn't have the same stability. I, I know some of this is inside baseball stuff, but it, it, we couldn't use some of the same techniques we used before on this product. Attaching it was different. Yeah. Um, how it responded to environmental conditions were different. So kind of a funny, sto- funny story on that one. And we might be jumping around a little bit. You want to get into it now yeah. or hold it? Yeah, no, let's talk about it. So um, and we'll come back to this, but the, we, we stumbled upon this commercial side of the business. We had originally thought this was for people's backyards, right? Yep. Homeowners were calling us, asking for grass that would work with their dogs. We developed a product that somebody could put in their backyard for their dogs. We were completely unaware of the fact, I was, I believe you were, that there was this growing industry, this budding industry revolving around dogs. And I'm going to call it hospitality, maybe service. There were pet hotels. There were boarding facilities. There were daycares. There were parks. There were all these things geared towards pet and pet owners. And, uh, we we stumbled right into it and we'll get into that story a little bit but so one of our first installs i think it was the first commercial install we did happened to be a pet facility in florida and i was going to fly down and do it and i think actually you and i were maybe both going to go but it turned out at that same time we had a requirement for a dealer, a dealer to get help arizona. down in arizona and there was a little anticipation for this because we started marketing and selling this idea of canine grass before we had the product right yep we started telling dealers about it dealers started telling customers about it customers started wanting it we didn't have a product yet and we kept running these trials we kept trying to find it and so there was a little bit of pent up demand a little bit of maybe back orders people waiting for this product so we get down and we're doing this first install in Florida and I'm down there with Ty and, and we're, like you said, it's different. The back is different. The seaming's different. And we lay it all out. We get it put together and everything looked great at the end of the day. And this is down in Florida. Weather is kind of warm. We get home and the next morning we come out to, to work on the next area. It's a mess. Like it was wrinkled. It was bunched up. Um, it was like apparently, the turf grew apparently at night. Yeah, apparently at night it got a little bit cooler. It got damp. The turf expand, or, or expanded and created all these ripples, and it just looked rough. Like, oh, my goodness. We had to go back and redo. We had to take up the edges, stretch it, put it down, all this. So, Ty and I called Brian because he's getting ready to start a job out I'm in, Arizona. in Arizona. And we're working with a deal. And it's like, Brian, <laughs> if you're getting ready to install, whatever you do, stretch this stuff. Stretch it because it grows overnight, it creates ripples, and you're going to have to come back and redo it the next day. So save yourself the trouble right out of the gate, stretch it. 
So I'm in Arizona and like the expert I am, I start training this dealer and I'm look guys, you know, here's the deal. We've got to make sure we stretch this tight. We get this really good and solid. And, and so this was a, another commercial install and it was a kind of on a hillside and it had, have you ever seen, you know, a hill, it's not a, a straight flat hill. It kind of has a dip in it. So there's a little bit of a dip, uh, almost like a, mm, like a it's J. A, it's, it's concave. Yeah, thank you. That's, that's the technical term <laughs> versus, you know, just a straight slope. He was drawing it with his hands. He's drawing a nice concave arc with his hand. Unfortunately, you guys can't see that. So anyway, we're installing this. I'm like, guys, you got to pull it tight. And they're like, well, you know, we don't want to pull it too tight and get at the trampoline. I'm like, listen, if there's one thing I know, it's this canine grass is going to expand. We need to make sure we pull it tight. So we pulled it tight. And, uh, I think it was, it might've been a day or two later, but we get the call and it was this stuff shrunk so bad. It pulled these the boards, boards out of the edge. <laughs> like what in the world happened? Well, in hindsight, what we ended up learning was, and this is where we had to listen to the product. This one was moisture driven more than heat and cold. We were used to things expanding in heat and contracting in cold. Well, canine grass expanded in moisture. So in Florida, when you had the dew set in, it expanded. In Arizona, there's not much moisture. It's very dry, so it's sucking the moisture out, out and it, it shrinks. Shrink. And so, lo and behold, <laughs> our first install in Florida, they had to go back and repair because they had to get all these ripples cut up and tighten it up. And our first install in Arizona, we ended up, I don't know if we pieced some in or moved boards or replaced the turf or what we did, but we had to go back and change it. But just kind of humorous. And and the point there was just really, this was brand new. We had to learn as we went. And, uh, you know, again, Dale said, I I think the other thing was we're listening to the market. Dale talked about this being... You know, we really thought this was for people's backyards. Oh, yeah. That that was 100%. The, the, the only thing I was thinking is making a product that people could put in their backyards. And so here we are. We start to see this commercial industry, and it really caught us by surprise. But we saw, I think there was an article on the it was, pet facility in L.A. Yeah, I'm, I, and I'm trying, to, trying to piece through, and I don't know that we remember this completely right, Brian, but trying to piece through how we got it, but we got this magazine that might've been sent to us because somebody heard about canine grass, want us to advertise in it or something. And I'm looking through it. There was this article about this facility out in Los Angeles. And, uh, I, I saw this article in this, this facility, which is a top notch facility had put in artificial turf indoor. in this indoor dog park for dogs. I'm like, oh my goodness, we missed it. This is the type of person, the type of business that should be using canine grass. I mean, huh? Right, because we knew. So that concept was new to me, but right away, the first thing I saw, it's like, oh my goodness, this this should be us. We need to get this word out somehow. Right, we knew this wasn't going to work because this was a regular infilled turf indoor. We knew the problems we had had with that, with the odors, with the inability to clean it. You can't vacuum it, you can't clean it, you can't do anything because it has infill in it. And so we knew this was going to fail for this high-profile facility. This is one of those things that I put down to myself. I need to call this business owner, and I, I need to tell them about canine grass. But then you, that was my initial reaction. Then you start wrestling with yourself. Well, they just invested this money. Oh, there was this whole article written about them. They're not who going to want to hear from yep. me. They don't know who I am. I don't even know what I'm talking about. And so I didn't make the call. But what we did see was that did open our – 
our mind to this idea of the commercial side of the business. And we went and bought booth space at the pet boarding and daycare show down in Dallas, Texas. This is back in the end of 2005, 2005. I believe. So I took my family and Joe Leedy and we drove down to uh, Dallas, Texas and we did this show and Oh my goodness. Again, small decisions you make that have long lasting effects and ramifications. We get down to that show and there, there was amazing. There was one other turf company there just had normal product that they were trying to sell to the pet uh, community. And I don't, I don't want to be harsh, but we just shredded them. Not, not aggressively, but it's like, look, they, they're, they're selling artificial turf for dogs and stuff that you would use in the field or in somebody's home. We have a product that was designed for dogs. This is what we do. This is why ours is better and what you need. And it resonated and it hit. And in that one event, we developed a customer that has been a repeat customer multiple times out in uh, New Jersey area that has been a long standing friend and customer and partnership. We sold a big facility in Cleveland that, you know, big project that came out of that. And this is before we had moved back to Ohio. We developed a relationship with Lady Laura, who has ended up becoming like a business consultant, even a sales trainer for us over the years. So much came out of that I one show. I think there was a pet food company that we ended there up was connecting with a, there. A major company that, that does dog food. We got the opportunity to go up and do a facility for. It just opened our eyes to this whole new world. And, and again, this wasn't our vision right? Our vision was develop a good product that we can put in people's backyards. And it is good for that. It's great for that. It, it is the answer for homeowners to put in their yards, but we had no idea there was this whole other market, this whole other, other and, place. Dr. Javago was, was <laughs> not, that, that's a studio but name. You, did you end up meeting the Andrew from LA? No, there? no. So what happened was after that show, like it was uh, maybe a month following I get a call or an email and it was from this Andrew that owned this facility in LA that we saw the article written on and he was saying, Hey, I need your product. Tell me about it. That's like, Oh my goodness. I'm such an idiot. This is one of those times God's like, I opened do the I, door. Do I have to spoon feed yeah. you. Right. I get an article. I mean, I get a magazine. I see the article. I see the story. My inclination is need to call this guy. He needs to know what we have. I don't have the confidence or the faith or the belief in myself to make that call. And the guy has to actually call me and say, I really need your product. And so we went out, we met with him. He loved it. And we've done multiple installs for, um, for that person. It's become a great relationship and a, a partnership for us uh, with Andrew that, uh, you know, it's just, it's been amazing. Um, but kind of had to get hit over the head and push, I guess, push through the door, right? We talk yeah. about opening the doors you want us to walk through and closing the ones you don't. That was the door got opened. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to put myself out there. I'm not going to do that one. So he had to step through the door and, and bring it to me. But kind of neat stuff. Yeah. And and what, uh, you know, we, we look back on that and that, you know, it, for people that are, if you're familiar with it at all with the turf industry now, it may seem like. It's no big deal. Everybody has a turf for dogs or everybody talks about turf for dogs. First of all, it, that, that Siri, that moment in time changed the turf industry. There was no 
turf for dogs. And even that one company who thought maybe they had a turf that they could inst- they hadn't designed anything. No, for they dogs. were just selling a piece of turf. I would still argue even today we are the we turf are, that is designed you're, you're, for dogs. Look, you're not going to get any fight back from me. <laughs> That's a true <laughs> statement. Plug canine yeah. grass is the artificial turf designed for dogs. And but that opened an entire industry, right? And and just like happened with playgrounds and playground grass and where that went, now we had canines and canine grass. And these vertical markets that we started creating for Foreverlon that night in the stupor at the conference before the first day, <laughs> that didn't just become vertical markets for Foreverlon. That became vertical markets that the entire turf industry started to follow behind. And you know, we said early on that turf industry, we were told early on the turf industry is a race to be second yeah. and it proved out, it, right? It we, we would create these new things and we would be the first to run through this and other people, sure enough, right behind us, they were in a race to be second. Yeah. I mean, if you go out and, and you uh, search artificial turf today and you pull up the different websites that are out there, you're probably going to be hard pressed to find one that doesn't segregate into the vertical markets in some fashion. They're going to have sports they're going to have playground they're going to have landscape they're going to have pets they're going to have golf right those are the markets we created back in 2005 we didn't create no, that's not right we didn't create golf and sports grass right but those are just two different entities that existed separately we created the idea, the, idea. the concept of vertical markets of of defining products based on the use and and having one company that can do multiple things and attacking these vertical markets. Uh, look, I just want to show this isn't like patting ourselves on the back. Nope. Um, look what we did. This is just being dumb enough and willing enough to listen to what's being said, to step through doors that were opened, even if sometimes, you know, that step needed a little push or a nudge from behind to get us through. But, but that is listening to, the market, listening to the customer, listening to other people, you know, not being so so willing to say, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, but hearing it and saying, okay. But there also is a time because when we talk to people about developing these products, a lot of people tell us, no, you that, that's not the right approach. There, we didn't sit back and listen. We had a conviction. We had to say, no, this is what we're going to do. And we spent months, months, sometimes years developing Yep. the right product and the right system to make it work. So that's a kind of a fun little story about the start of canine grass and how it changed the industry. But, you know, to get back to the opening question, you know, are you listening when somebody else is talking or are you just thinking about what you're going to say next? If there's a takeaway from this, I, I would just say that's the simple one. Make sure whenever you're talking you, you, to someone, you take the time to actively listen to what they're saying. If you were always so concerned about what you're going to say, first of all, that's a very selfish perspective, right? Because it's about you wanting to look good, you wanting to have the answers, you wanting to be the guy or the girl or whatever that sounds great. Don't just think about what you're going to say. Listen to what they're saying because what you learn in that listening is really what's going to make you better and what's going to help you develop maybe the the right things to say, not just the things that you want to say. So, um, and I, look, that's something I, I work on constantly. If uh, Angie, if you're listening to this, yeah, I know I'm still not great <laughs> at it. And sometimes I'm not listening as much as I should, but we're getting there. We're working it's on a process. It. And I would tell you, make that a goal to be an active listener. Don't just think about yourself, be others focused, be listening to them and 
use that to learn to grow and to get better. So we, I don't know if we're going to have this in the show notes or what have you, but we, we do have this little diagram that shows the idea of um, market driven versus manufacturing driven. And, and we were you know, fortunate enough to be put in a position to be market driven. And what that means is we started with the need the customer had and that created an idea where we built a product and created a brand and then went back and figured out how to make it. Um, most other companies have a product that is created in a manufacturing plant. They have this product and then they look for how do we distribute it? Who do we find to sell it? And how do we find customers that buy what we want to make? That is market driven versus manufacturing driven. And um, there's probably in some level merit to both, but we are very much a market driven company that tries to find the needs and then go find how do we fill it. So there's, there's there might be a neat little um, diagram on that. So, um, you know, we talked about can't you just sell what we make? That ties into that. Um, I understand the question because we didn't have a track record, but um, innovation and growth comes from not asking that question, but asking how can we make what you sell. So what are you doing? What do people want? And how do you provide the people what they're looking for, whether that's in business, whether that's in your home or whether that's in your, your church, your community. We talk about that first install. We were so worried about training the people where you were, Brian. I was, I really wanted to look like the expert. And I was so worried about talking first and telling them how much we knew that uh, we didn't gather enough feedback. And in the end, in in fairness, you were acting on feedback. You're acting on the feedback we got. There were just, and you didn't have any other feedback to go from because we'd never installed down there. Yeah. So I don't think you really did anything wrong, but sometimes you may not have all the information, but you know what? Get in motion. That's right. Because you can correct it. Get in motion. That's going to create the opportunity to learn and the opportunity to correct and adjust. So we would encourage you to, you know, take this, hopefully learn from our mistakes and be willing to be somebody that is actively listening and then go be people of impact, get in motion, make things happen and go find ways to impact lives all around you. Yeah. Check out the show notes. Uh, Bethany does a great job gathering information and putting down there. Uh, Share this podcast with somebody, copy the link and send it or do a screenshot, send it on. And again, as always, if you give us some feedback, either reach out to us or um, hit us a review on there. We'd love to have it. See you next week. This is the Threads Army reminding you that faith looks up, hope looks ahead, and love looks all around to see whom it can help. Good day.